guys can be seated. Man, I love being here with you in the presence of a God who is good and proclaiming that together to you. Experiencing that, walking in that, resting in that. It's good news for souls that need to hear the good news and the gospel of a God who is love. So I want to tell you a story. One year when I was home for Christmas break, um, there was ice-pocalypse. Right? This ice storm um, had hit our town. Power was out for days. The roads were covered in ice, and it was cold, like two Kelvins above absolute zero cold, which is science people. Is that cold? Yes. Okay, cool. Thank you. Thank you very much. Just check in. Um, Nancy's my fact checker down there in the front. It was cold, and so my family went like full little house on the prairie together. Um, we would like gather around the fireplace and cook breakfast there together and um, tell stories because we didn't have TV or internet or anything and just like whittle sticks and all the things they used to back, do back then for fun. And we'd sleep in one room together, um, all huddled together in our quilts and blankets, just trying to stay warm um, and say like, you know, good night, Ma, good night, Pa, good night, John Boy, that's me. Um, so I woke up in the middle of the night to head to the restroom and um, it was dark, like every light in the city out, kind of dark. And so, of course, I like flipped the light switch like you do when the power's out. And when it doesn't turn on, I think, I should get a flashlight. Um, that thought didn't linger very long because I was 18 years old and I knew everything. And I knew how to get around my house and I knew how to get to the bathroom in my own house. Um, I love my 18-year-old self. Uh, I keep him around, and I ask advice of him sometimes. And then whatever he says, I do the exact opposite, right? Um, So 18-year-old me was like, I don't need a flashlight. And so I take the one turn to the bathroom, and bam, right into the wall with my big honking snaws. And it hurt so (laughs) badly. I I don't know what I said, but I could not say it from up here. I'll just say that. And so... My dad, like, shines a flashlight toward me. He's like, what happened? It's like, I ran into the wall. He said, you should have taken a flashlight. Thank you, Dad. I appreciate that. Appreciate that. And the kicker of it all is that whole season, I had this terrible cold. And every time I would sneeze with this, like, injured nose, it hurt. And I was reminded of my own stupidity. And it was like my own sneezes were mocking me. I was like, I, I, I should have taken a flashlight to the bathroom. There are seasons in our life when it seems like the lights are out or they're dimmed a little bit, doesn't it? When in our world or in our circles, in our circumstances, in our individual lives, in those seasons, it's, it's dark. Um, lights of civility, lights of justice and goodness, equality and kindness seems like they're out or being dimmed a little bit. And people are just kind of huddled together and bumping into each other and bumping into things and sometimes it hurts a lot. And we look around for flashlights or for a light to help us see which way to go. And it may seem like these days we're in one of those seasons, but they happen in life. And they're in the midst of even that darkness, there are glimpses of light that break through, aren't there? Um, for some of us, places like this are places where the light breaks through. Maybe it was seeing a heroic act of compassion this week of people rescuing kids out of an overturned car. And maybe it was hearing someone tell a story, a vulnerable story of their infant son who was born with a heart defect. Um, Maybe it was a puppy photo that showed up in your timeline. Um, Those always help, (laughs) don't they? These things remind us of a higher, brighter calling, of the beauty in the world. All right, probably, let's pull that down, Darren. I'm not going to be able to 
pay attention if that puppy is up there the whole time. <laughs> but sometimes, even in the midst of those glimpses breaking through, it can seem pretty dim out there. And we look around and we say, what can we do? What can I do to help? Can I do anything? The spoiler is that there is something that we can do. Because the witness of our story is this, is that there is a light that shines in the darkness, and the darkness cannot overcome it. The light of life, the light of a God who is love. And this Sunday is Communion Sunday. We celebrate that this love could not be sealed up, that this love goes on, that this love wins. Though sometimes hope seems sealed away in a tomb, our God is the one who rolls away stones and that we are invited to be a part of that story. And there's this whisper to us, always, this invitation to each of us from the depth of our spirit and the truth of who we are to be a part of what God is doing in this world, to let our light, to let your love shine, to show the world the light and the love of a God who is good, especially in the dark seasons, to be part of something, to be part of God's mission and ministry of reconciliation and restoration for all people, to be a part of that in our homes, in our workplaces, in our communities, to be open to the others around us, to take who we are and offer it and leverage it for the people around us. And when we start to awaken to that invitation, to that whisper to us, we begin to discover who we were built to be, begin to be who we truly are, to begin to live into our deepest purpose. And so maybe that calling seems too big for us. Or maybe you felt that because of who you are, because of your past, your present, because you're not perfect, because you've never seen Little House on the Prairie, that you could never be a part of this. And maybe you felt that who you are, where you've been, disqualifies you somehow. But I want to say this clearly, that our God is a God of unqualified love that you are a child of God, of sacred worth, created with profound purpose, and the God of the universe shaped you and formed you, has been with you every step of your journey and all the side roads in between, and your story and your shape and your idiosyncrasies are indispensable and important, built to be part of something incredible. And together, all of us in our unique shapes and forms, as our unique stained glass windows, as Crystal said, Shining the light of God through us becomes part of something far greater than we could be on our own. A light much more beautiful and bright and broad that shines in our world, in all places, for all people, especially in the dark seasons. And letting the light of God begin to shine in and through our spirit and the truth of who we are, that is our calling. Because truthfully, it's a dangerous world out there. This picture, anybody know what's happening here? The shark stepped on a Lego, right? (laughs) Should have brought a flashlight. It is a dangerous world out there. So I want to tell you about a time when Jesus offered this invitation to people who were a lot like us. This comes from the Servant on the Mount, from Matthew chapter 5, which is one of my favorite parts of Scripture. It was near the beginning of his ministry, and he began to gather a crowd that was a lot like us. It It was diverse, different ages and genders. Um, people of different backgrounds, cat people and dog people, like all of them together. But they were just learning about all of this. Uh, Jesus had been teaching and living in such a way that they were intrigued, but they weren't sure what this whole thing was about just yet. 
uh, what part they could play in it. And so some of them were coming devoted, seeking something. Some were coming with doubts. Um, some were just coming in case he did the water to wine thing again, um, which, was, which was probably most of them, if we're honest. But they were intrigued. They saw in Jesus something special. They saw a light. And so he sits down and he teaches It begins to open up for them a vision of the heart of God, the heart of the kingdom of a beloved community that's together in the love of God. And he tells them about how God is open to them, open to all people. Even if they've been told that they're spiritually poor, he said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Theirs is this. And he invites people to be open to God, to hunger and to seek this. It begins to show this amazing vision of who God is and the way that we could live as a reflection of God's light and God's love. Some of, if, even if you've never been to church before, you've probably heard some of the things that come from Jesus sitting down among this crowd and opening God's heart for them. He says, love your enemies. Judge not. Seek first the kingdom of God. Don't worry about what you will wear, for the wildflowers are clothed in beauty far beyond you, and God will clothe you in that same beauty as well. It was an amazing vision of who God is and what God is doing in our world. And then, and right there in the middle of that, Jesus invites them to be a part of this. Not just to take part, but to be a part. He calls them to purpose in the midst of this beloved community, and he gives them a profound calling. And here's what it was. He said, you are the light of the world. You're the light of the world. And and when he said that, it probably got really quiet, and people were very confused. Like, what is he talking about? They'd heard this idea before. Israel was to be this light to the nations, but Jesus wasn't talking about some nationalistic idea. He was talking to people, to individual people like you and me, and gave them purpose right now where they were as they were. He would look around a crowd like this and look us in the eyes and say, you, you, And you, me, we are called to be the light of the world. And he says even more than that, that this light is to shine for the benefits of those around us, for the welfare of our world, to push back the darkness and to bring the beauty and the life of God into clear vision. And that's a lot, honestly. (laughs) It's kind of mind-boggling. It seems way bigger than us, especially when you consider how dim our world seems sometimes, that Jesus says we're to be light, that we are to throw sunshine and not shade as we go. How are we even supposed to begin doing that? So Jesus begins, and he invites us to be a part of God's light. And that's an important thing to remember, that this is a call to be a part of God's light. We don't have to generate this ourselves. This is not something that's in our power to do. We simply let God's light begin to shine through our lives. And so what does light do? Light brings warmth and health into our world. We're called to be people of encouragement who help those around us flourish, to help the people in our workplace flourish in their lives, to help the students in our schools not just pass a test, but flourish as human beings and grow in understanding of how much they are loved. Light reveals and illuminates beauty. When the light shines on a beautiful painting, we begin to see the beauty that it was built to be, and it's the same way for us. We're called to be people of joy and creativity who reveal the beauty and the worth of the people around us. Light protects the vulnerable, doesn't it? It shines into those dark places, and it pushes back the darkness and makes places 
make safe places. There are many people in our world who feel vulnerable in our words, in our actions, in our Facebook posts. We can help create safe spaces. And light, like a beacon, calls us forward. It calls us forward and helps this world progress. Those are some of the things that light does. It also helps you not run into walls or step on Legos, but that didn't seem quite as important to put up there on the list, but just follow that away. That is what light does, but the way that we shine that light, the way we bring warmth in our world and illuminate the beauty and protect the vulnerable and call ourselves and others forward, the way you shine that is a call that's uniquely yours. So here's what I mean. After Jesus says, you're the light of the world, he goes on and describes this a little bit more. He says, you're the light of the world. You're a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. And if you were in the crowd, if you were a Jew of the day sitting around Jesus' feet, you would have thought of one city alone. You would have thought of Denton, of course, right? Um, (laughs) If they knew it, they would have thought about it. They thought of Jerusalem, right? They thought of Jerusalem. It was a city built on a hill, a beautiful limestone wall around it, and they would put torches on the outside, and it would just glow for them. Jerusalem, they believed that God was everywhere, but God was uniquely present in Jerusalem, Uh, just like we believe that God is uniquely present in Denton, right? Jerusalem was a place where God intersected humanity in a special way, and Jesus says to us that you are like that city on a hill. That you are a thin place where God uniquely intersects your life in a way that is like no other. Because you were made in the image of God with divinity on your soul and eternity on your heart. And when we begin to live into that intersection of who we are and who our God is, we begin to shine with a light that is not our own. So how? How do we do that? Well, listen and pay attention to the places where God has specifically intersected your life. Listen to your passion, to what you love, to what moves you and stirs your soul. That's part of the thumbprint of God on your life. So take that and let God shine through that. Add this to the light of God. If kids speak to you, mentor at Rivera or another elementary school, volunteer for our children's program here at this church, or just go back to the corner and hang out and make some kids feel welcome. If numbers move you, help us count chairs in here. Uh, We need some help. Find a family who's having trouble making it all add up and help them get their life to balance. When we begin to add our unique light and our unique shape, the spectrum is more full than if we were all the same. Second thing is this. Pay attention to your story, to your story, because your experience, your own life journey is the intersection of where God has been with you every single step of the way. So maybe you think that your story isn't much to offer, or maybe you think that your story somehow disqualifies you. Well, this book that we read together is full of these people who thought the very same thing, who the world might have overlooked or disqualified, but God welcomed fully with unqualified love. Maybe your story has colored you or left you with some cracks and chips, But when the grace and the love of God intersects who you really are, when the light of Christ shines on your chips and cracks, those are the parts that glisten and shine because those are the parts that grace has touched. And they shine because they show that our God is alive and at work in us. Your story shines God's light. God can take your pain and give you purpose, take your mistakes and shape them into mission. Women, there are other women who need your encouragement 
Men, there are other men who need your example. High schooler, there are middle schoolers who need to know that they can survive. And octogenarians, us young adults, need to know that we can survive as well. Those places where God has uniquely intersected your life, in the depth of your spirit and the truth of who you are, those shine with a light that is unmistakable, individually, uniquely, and perfectly you. So in the same way that God has intersected your life, God says that we are placed in just the right location, that where we are is just the right place to intersect with the lives of those around us. And so Jesus goes on and tells us a little more. He says, you're not just like a city on a hill, you're like a lamp on a lampstand. No one puts it under a basket, but instead they take the lampstand and they put it in just the right place so that it gives light to all in the house. Now back in these days, oil was very expensive, and so Typically, a family would only have like one or two lamps in the home that they would burn. And so they would find just the right place in the house that that lamp did the most good, that it gave light to all people in the house. And God says to us that we're that way, that where we find ourselves in our families, in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, in our situations, in our circles of friends, we are there for a purpose, to shine light to all the people that we come in contact with in a way that no one else can. There's purpose for us there. And so how, how do we do that? Do we just stand on a pedestal and like Care Bear stare it up and shine out love? <laughs> if you can, do that. <laughs> but for the rest of us, there's this pattern that Jesus did as he loved our world. Over and over again, he did this. He listened and he loved. He would show up in a place and he would listen, he would see He would meet. He would hear. He would let his heart be stirred, moved with compassion, and then he would act. He would listen and love. Listen to the people around you. Listen to their hearts. Let your heart be stirred and ask, how can I help? How can I love? Parents, listen to your kids. Kids, listen to your parents and have compassion on them. Listen to the people in the break room. Listen to people at the cafeteria table. Listen to the immigrants in your neighborhood and the lifelong Texans in your neighborhood and let your heart be stirred and say, how can I shine God's love into their life? How can I help? And let your heart be moved to action, whatever it is, because you are in just the right place to shine God's love into the light of all of those around you. And when we love in this way, we begin to show the world the radical love of God. Not our own light, but a light that is bigger than us. And so Jesus brings all of these thoughts together, the light and the city and the lamp, and he says, in the same way, in the same way, which is kind of like Jesus saying, um, in conclusion, which is everyone's favorite part of a sermon, right? (laughs) So Jesus says, in conclusion, this is Matthew uh, verse 16 in that, if you've got that Um, for us. It says, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. In the same way, let your light shine so that people see it and they see the goodness of God. Because our light's not supposed to be a little light or a common light, but the kind of light that makes people notice something. The call on us is to live in such a way that people see the goodness of God. And that call 
calls us to love and to live and to shine in a radical, only God kind of way, to be more open, more generous, more forgiving, more compassionate, more humble, and more grace-filled than anyone would ever expect, because that's who our God is. And Jesus thinks it's so incredibly important that he says, let your light shine so that people see your good works and praise your Father in heaven. Jesus thinks it's so important that he connects actions with this. It doesn't say that they may see your flawless argument for the existence of God and be wowed into faith. No, it says see your good works, the way you live, the way you work, the way you treat people, uplift people, protect people. And that reflects the goodness of God. Religion has so often been busy making a point that it forgets to make a difference. And the difference is where our God's light shines in our world. So give yourself for others. Live in such a way that shows people the goodness of God and love in a way that people experience a love that could only be from something higher. If we in this room could do this, all of us, this whole community that we rest in and the places we go in our workplaces could begin to be a more bright and brilliant and warm and safe place where the love of God shines out in a way that is unmistakable. So is this possible? Could we, like us, silly people who step on Legos and run into walls, could we really show the world the goodness of God? Could our passion, our story, our listening and loving shine light in a dark world, a world so dark that the Spurs are still playing and the Astros are really good (laughs) and it's tough out there? So I want to tell you about a young lady that my wife and I had the opportunity to meet. We met her. Her name is Rose, and there she is with my wife, Lindsay. Um, We met her while we were serving in northern Uganda. Northern Uganda is a place that has experienced some of the deepest darknesses imaginable. Uh, This is the place where Joseph Kony, uh, who was kind of a brutal warlord, if you remember that story, uh, left mass graves and destroyed villages and destroyed lives in his wake. The place where we worked was an orphanage that had taken in 40 kids who'd lost their homes and their families. Some had been forced to be soldiers. But the work of that orphanage had begun in a small but brilliantly bright, only God kind of way. Some of the locals went to a refugee camp and they found some of the unaccompanied kids who were having the hardest time and they took them in. And they opened up a house for them and they began to take care of them. And when they realized they were in a little bit over their head, they called some missionary friends that they knew to come help who came and brought others. And the people were raised up out of the community and from around the world, offering whatever gifts they had to help out. People came with construction skills to help fix up this house for kids to live in. Some were trained as counselors, and they came to help with grief. Some were trained as teachers, and they came to work with the local teachers to learn how to shape these kids' lives more. Aunties and uncles would come live with them and teach them how to do laundry and cook for them, teach them how to keep house and farm and all the things that they would need to live a flourishing life. And the church came and just loved them. And there was a lot of hurt, but there was also a lot of healing. And all these different people with all these different passions just gave of what they had, of who they were, and they listened and they loved, and they shined as hard as they knew they could even more than that, in unimaginable darkness. And so could that really make a difference? So we did an interview with Rose. Um, 
and asked just some simple questions. One of the questions was, what have you learned? What have you learned? And here was her answer. Let's just throw her picture back up again there, Darren. Here was this beautiful girl's answer. I've learned that God is good. This young girl who's seen unimaginable, sorry, darkness. Even still, she saw a light that was shining. They could not be overcome. A light that shines in the darkness. The darkness cannot overcome it, but even more than that, it pushes back the darkness because where there is hurt, God brings healing and hope. And there is the heart of a God who is good of a love that wins, and it works its way out through individual, ordinary people just shining their light where they are, as they are, as best they can. And through that, Rose glimpsed the goodness of God, not through the circumstances of her world, but through those around her who shine the love of God and invited to open herself to a God who loves her more than she could imagine. Light pushing back the dark, bringing warmth and healing, illuminating beauty, protecting the vulnerable, calling us forward to be more, calling us forward together in goodness. So if you want to know whether God is good, if you really want to know that for yourself, love and see what happens. In the midst of a place that was so challenging to see a good God, I saw and I believed, I saw works of love, and I believed evermore that our God is powerfully, lovingly good. And so, friends and children of God, no matter how dark this world is, we bear witness to a light that is stronger and brighter and more beautiful than anything we can imagine. And we are called to be witnesses and ambassadors to the goodness of God. And so shine the light of love with all you are, from the depth of your soul and the truth of who you are, in your location, on your journey, because it's who you and we were built and called to be. You are the light of the world. Let's pray together. Gracious, loving God, you are good. God, sometimes we forget that when we spend our time looking down. God, looking at ourselves and our circumstances, God. But you call us to lift our eyes higher, to reflect your light and your love in our world. God, to shine your goodness. It's unimaginable that we could be a part of this, but you call us to do that. To open the shades of our hearts, God, and to let your love shine through. To shine on us and to shine out into our world. Like mosaics, like individual stained glasses that are fearfully and beautifully and colorfully and wonderfully made. And so God, open us to that. Awaken us to that, to who you are, to your heart, and how we can be a part. We pray this in your name. Amen.